0: Good morning. Let's stand together and hear from God's word. Psalm 145 says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. I long for that day when we can all sing aloud together. So what can we do, brothers and sisters in this room? Let us speak of the wonders of his name. With an amen, let us tell of his works with a hand raised or hands clapped as we take this temporary time of of holy restraint to not sing aloud in this room. And for those watching at home, sing out, sing out for those that can't uh, today. Sing out to tell of the wondrous works to your children in your home and to your neighbors. And for all of us, may this create in us a longing for that time where we can sing out together unrestricted, unrestrained, uninhibited worship in the presence of our Savior. So as we often do with a prayer that will have one prayer represent the whole, we will attempt to represent you in song and praise to God as we long together, as we worship together in spirit and truth. And tongues to sing My great Redeemer's praise The glories of my God and King The triumphs of His grace My gracious Master and my God Assist me to proclaim To spread through all the earth The the honors of life That's the name that calms our fears That fits our sorrows cease Tis music in the senses. Tis life until He breaks the power of canceled sin He sets the prisoner free His blood can make the foulest clean His blood of New life, the dead receive. The mournful, broken hearts rejoice. The humble, poor. Bear- The church and
1: and Amen. Praise the name of Jesus, that sweet name that is music in the sinner's ear. You may be seated. We'll welcome M's through Z. It's good to worship with you in person. For those who are streaming online, we're thankful that you've tuned in. Uh, we are praying that this service blesses you and that God leaves you changed. Uh, This will be a different service um, because we are going to have one of our missionaries, Mr. G, be preaching. Uh, We are not going to have video for the sermon. So we encourage you to listen to the sermon and uh, expect God to do a good work through it. Now, if you are a guest or you have been visiting a while but you're not a member, we wanna let you know that this September we have our class called Casey Casey, that is Knowing Christ, Knowing the Church. If you want to know about the Christian faith, if you wanna know more about this gospel that we sing about, that we preach, then I would encourage you to go online and sign up for this class. Or maybe you wanna become a member, this is the way that we do it. This is our membership class. So please uh, go on our app or our website and sign up for KCKC. Now this week is Missions Emphasis Week. Now at Desert Springs, we emphasize missions, but we wanna set aside one week a year where we particularly talk about the ways in which God is using Desert Springs Church to spread his glory broader and deeper among the nations. So one way we do that is we do it through a silent auction. Uh, Yearly we have a silent auction, but this year it's going to be online only. And uh, you can go online, you can still see pictures of the items and descriptions and and bid on those and have your bidding wars. Uh, And that's going to be this uh, Sunday, so right now, until Wednesday at 6 p.m. We encourage you to go there. It's dscabq.com slash M-E-W for Missions Emphasis Week. It'll end Wednesday the, si- at, sorry, Wednesday the 12th at 6 p.m. The second way we're wanting to get your hearts praying for our work overseas is through our Solo Agua campaign. Uh, Solo Agua means only water. We're distributing water bottles in the foyer and in the south exits, And you feel free to grab one of those. Our primary goal is to get our church to be praying for our Guatemalan church partners. And then secondly, we want you to consider giving towards building two wells in Guatemala. They struggle with getting clean water, and that can lead to higher mortality rates. And lots of medical complications. So, uh, some of us are giving up water, for, or sorry, giving up other drinks for the week and only drinking water. And then we're gonna use those proceeds, or the, things, the money we save, and we're gonna give it towards building those two wells. And others may take a bottle and every time they see it, are just gonna pray for our Guatemalan church partners. However, you wanna participate, uh, feel free to grab one of the bottles and uh, be praying for our church partners. Now please join me as I pray for our worship service. God, we pray that you would give us open ears to receive your word. May your word that we sing and pray and hear preached draw us to you. Lord, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, convict us of sin and then lead us to repentance. And have us bask in the goodness of your unending grace. Father, we pray that you would empower your word to birth new life. Lord, we pray that you draw sinners to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Let us stand and join our hearts together in confession. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy. wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save. was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Oh, the joy of being a sinner saved by God's amazing grace. Let us join heaven and earth in singing and rejoicing. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before Thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark out, doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light. Thy works with joy surround me, earth and every reflect, Stars and angels sing around me, center of our grace, field and
2: of grace is Jesus my redeemer
0: say amen. You can be seated.
3: Good morning. Wow. I am so happy to be here this morning worshiping with you guys and I will stop being emotional here in a second. Here we go. If you have your Bible with you, would you please go ahead and open it to Isaiah 55. If you don't know me, uh, I'm a church planner, raised up and sent out by Desert Springs Church to Africa with my family, with the charge to preach the gospel among Muslims, and by God's grace to see new converts gather into churches. My wife and I both have jobs there, our kids go to school there, and we're hoping to return in the next few weeks. Well, we're in Isaiah 55 this morning, and I've known for a while that I'd be preaching at DSC today, and I was having trouble picking a passage, and a friend of mine said to me, what passage would you preach to a group of Muslims in Africa, in your city, if you were still there? And I thought, that was a good idea, so uh, Isaiah 55 immediately came to mind. Thankfully, it not only speaks to Muslims on that side of the world, but to all sorts of people including whoever might be hearing these words right now. So let's read Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. And eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Lord Jesus, please now use your word in our hearts that we might experience your sure and steadfast love in new and unforeseen ways. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Well, a few years ago, I met a young man named Zeke. Zeke was the manager of the service department at the auto dealership where I get our oil changed. And every few months, I would see him, and eventually, we struck up a friendship. One day, I mentioned how legit his haircut looked, and he said, Yeah, it's pretty wow, isn't it? Well, wow means awesome. So he said, "I'll, I'll take you to my guy. A few nights later, he takes me to his guy, and it was in one of the poorest neighborhoods in our city. His barber only starts cutting after 10 p.m. Needless to say, uh, this guy was a little bit too edgy and his haircuts too fashion forward for this dad bod sporting former accountant. Nevertheless, I went and Zeke and I sat and talked for about an hour while we, while we waited for my turn. We talked about religion, uh, what I believed, what he believed. Uh, It was a very respectful conversation. There was no shouting or gesticulating, as is often the case whenever we talk about religious things there. Well, at one point, uh, he explained to me about the angels that Muslims believe to be on their shoulders. You've probably seen this on cartoons, but in Islam, it's actually a real thing. He said that there is one on the right shoulder, writing down on a scroll the good things that you do, and one on the left shoulder, writing down on a scroll the bad things that you do. So I interject and say, right, and then at the end of time, God weighs each scroll, right, and decides if you can get into heaven. You know, if your good scroll outweighs the bad scroll, then you can get into heaven. Is that right? He said, yeah. I said, well, I wouldn't have any hope With all the bad thoughts and mean and angry thoughts that I've had towards people, there's no way I'd ever get in he says, well, yeah, except for one thing. We believe that the angel on the right shoulder that writes all the good things down, he actually has power over and rules over the angel on the left shoulder that writes all of the bad things down. And if the angel on the left shoulder is about to write down a bad thing, a bad intention that he sees in your heart, he's about to write that down, the one on the right shoulder says to him, hey, wait, wait, Let's see if he actually follows through with what he's doing. That way, only the bad stuff that you actually do gets recorded. I said, well, what about good intentions? Are they recorded? Yeah, he says. So I say, your good intentions are recorded and your bad intentions aren't? That's right. Well, that makes it pretty easy, I said. Yeah, it is easy, he says with a smile. Zeke wants to please God. He lives within a belief system where his work is the basis of God's favor toward him. We can say that he thirsts for the goodness that God gives, but he doesn't know that, as our passage states today, God's ways are very different and much higher than our ways. Zeke, like all of us, needs to hear that those who thirst must turn to the Lord to experience his sure and steadfast love. Well, our passage today addresses a few different types of people, and I expect that any of us listening will relate to one or more of these categories. It addresses first those who are placing their trust in governments and earthly powers over and against the true God, as personified in King Ahaz which we'll see in a second. Those who, secondly, those who in rebellion against God are intentionally sinning in ways that displease Him, such as all of the nations around Judah at that time in Isaiah's day. And also, thirdly, those who, like Zeke, think that they can reach God by their own effort. And we'll call this category the self-reliant. So as we consider these different groups, think about your own life. How might the Lord be addressing you today? Well, Isaiah was a prophet to God's people about 250 years after King David sat on the throne and about 750 years before the birth of Christ. God's people at this time were divided into two kingdoms, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and Isaiah was a prophet to that southern kingdom of Judah. And throughout his tenure as prophet, the kings of Judah are having to deal with constant threats of invasion by surrounding nations that want to conquer and claim Judah as their own. Isaiah, whose name in Hebrew means the Lord saves, is shown throughout the book to be calling these kings to trust in the Lord their God. Ahaz is one of the kings in Isaiah's day, and he's a particularly good example of this first category of people that our chapter today speaks to. Ahaz hears that there are two countries that are in an alliance to come and take over his kingdom of Judah, and that they want to end King Ahaz's reign. The Lord, through Isaiah, in chapter 7, tells King Ahaz, don't fear, trust the Lord. He's going to protect his people, his plans are sure. But instead, in direct contradiction to what God had commanded, Ahaz looks for something clear and tangible and immediate that might protect them from these two nations that want to invade. So, he calls up the Assyrian Empire, this other big empire, to help him. And the Assyrian Empire readily agrees to come and, quote-unquote, help Judah. And in the process, they take over, and Ahaz's kingdom becomes a puppet kingdom to Assyria and later to the Babylonian Empire. Ahaz, in the face of danger, in the face of fear, chose worldly means to protect Judah and did not trust in God's word. Well, this setting is not too far from our own. Now, we shouldn't make a one to one connection between God's people back then and America today. Israel and Judah were God's people. And today, God's people is represented by the church here in America. But I notice my own tendencies and the tendencies of others to too quickly trust in or inordinately trust in political systems when things look dire. Whether the fear is cultural Marxism, impending hyperinflation, divisive political tactics, or any one of a myriad of front burner issues that is addressing our country and our church today, I wonder how quick we are to hear Isaiah when he says, as he did to Ahaz, don't fear. Don't let your heart be faint. Trust me. Isaiah says in verse 3 of chapter 55, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Well, when Ahaz feared invasion from these invading kingdoms, he went straight to the most powerful entity that he could find. When you fear about the future, where do you go? To whom do you incline your ear? Do you look for comfort in a Political party? A website? Is there a podcast that you listen to? Where do you find solace in these crazy times? God is calling you to listen to his word, to incline your ear to what he is saying. Friends, this passage is for us. Another type of person our passage speaks to is to the rebellious, ungodly person or nation. Like those nations that were surrounding Judah. See verse 7 in Isaiah 55, where he is addressing this category of people. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. In Isaiah's day, the, nation that surro- the nations that surrounded God's people lived without reference to God. They didn't have hundreds of years of Judeo values like Judah had, or hundreds of years of Judeo Christian values like America has. No, they lived serving despots and physical idols that represented some of the worst of human depravity. Isaiah's call would be addressing those outside of God's people. But also in Isaiah's day, as in ours, there were wicked people among those who claimed to be God's people. So this call to repentance that we see in verse 7 is directed at both those who are outside of God's people and those inside of God's people. Is there wickedness that must be repented of in the church? Could Isaiah 55, 7 be speaking to us? For sure. Paul in the New Testament when writing to Christians would sometimes include lists of wicked behavior that these particular Christians needed to be reminded not to participate in. Galatians 5 includes one such list. Let's turn to Galatians 5 and read this together. Verses 19 and 21. I'm going to emphasize a few things here. Galatians 5:19. Now the works of the flesh, those things that are against the spirit, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, a thousand ways that sexual immorality could be repented of here in the church. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, believing that someone else is your enemy, treating someone else as your enemy. Strife. Do we have that in the church between husband and wife? Parents to children. Jealousy. Fits of anger in the car, at home, at work. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Are there divisions among us? Envy, drunkenness. I know the culture of Albuquerque, and we love beer, and we love bourbon. Don't downplay this. Whether you find yourselves today identifying as a Christian or not, these sins are an affront to God. And Isaiah says we must forsake them. Friends, this passage is for us. Who else needs to hear this passage today? Also the self-reliant. Let's look at who is invited. Verse 1, Isaiah 55. Come, he who has no money. Come, buy without money, without price. Are these people self-reliant? No. But then let's see who's chastised. Isaiah 55 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Those who have no money are told to come and buy. Those who are trying to buy what their souls desire are chastised. Well, many of us have grown up in Christian traditions that have taught us that reconciliation to God is a gift freely given. Thank the Lord. But we have also been wrongly taught many times, thankfully not in this church, but in others, that staying in his good favor afterward is our own work. If you want to stay in God's good favor, you must work, work, work to be good, good, good. A subtle example of this would be an experience I have had for much of my life. I would come to church on Sundays and be weighed with the guilt of sins during the week or even in the car ride to church then I wouldn't sing because I knew myself to be hypocritical and unworthy of enjoying God. On the other hand, if I understood myself to be relatively unpolluted by the stain of sin on a certain Sunday, I would engage God with vigor and singing. I understood my relationship with God to be based on my performance. If I was particularly sinful in my mind that week, I didn't deserve to eat God's good food. If I was particularly righteous in my eyes that week, I deserve to, eat, to get the good, rich food that he was giving. Another example of this would be a Muslim like Zeke. He understands his relationship and good standing with God to be based on how well he performs. He labors and labors and labors to buy food for his soul, and it never satisfies. And what is worse is that he and the culture around him have devised a system that inoculates their hearts to the dangers of sin. His bad thoughts and motives are not counted against him, and his religion says that some good deeds that he does have a multiplying effect on the weight of the scroll, the good scroll, at the end of time. The end result is that a quarter of the world's population, Muslims, are laboring to buy what never satisfies, spending the spiritual capital that they understand that they have earned to buy God's favor. But God doesn't work that way. Only those who have no money may come. Only those who know their poverty may sit at the table. Only those who trust the character of a generous God will find delight at the table. Friends, this passage is for Muslims, and this passage is for us. Now that we can hopefully see That God was not only talking to people 3,000 years ago, but that He is also talking through Isaiah to us. Let us turn our attention to what the content of the message is. We will see that it culminates in verses six and seven with a call to repentance. So let's trace that argument. First, we have the food and drink metaphor Isaiah 55:1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. In verse 1, he invites us to come and drink at the waters, then to buy and eat. He says to buy wine and milk, two drinks that represent luxury and opulence. We can see intuitively, intuitively, that this isn't literal. He's telling us to come to himself, and there are very good things for you when you do. In him, there are experiences that you will enjoy. Isaiah 55, 2. Here we see that the imagery changes a little when he says, Listen diligently to me and eat. So he links all those good experiences in verses 1 and 2, eating and drinking, wine and milk, rich food, with listening. Verse 3. It further says to incline your ear and come. The coming in verse 1 is linked now to inclining your ear here. Isaiah is saying that the good experiences that you seek are found in listening to God. Well, the next element of the invitation occurs in verse 6. Now we find what it is that God is saying we must listen to. Here is the word that we must incline our hearts to. Here is what verse 3 says. We are to hear so that our souls may live. Isaiah 55, 6, and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. This is the message to one who, like Ahaz, doesn't trust in the promises of God. He says to him, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. May our first and primary consolation to the woes of this world not be political answers. May we seek the Lord now while he may be found. There will be a day when his patience will give way to judgment. Do not spurn his offer. Draw near now while you have the chance. To those enslaved to sin, choosing what is not honoring to God, hear the Lord say to you, forsake your wicked ways. Abandon your unrighteous thoughts. Turn to the Lord and he will have compassion on you. And abundantly pardon. What amazing news that we who rebel against our Creator find one so compassionate and patient with people like us. And to the self reliant, how might they heed this call to turn to the Lord? We can surely say that those refusing God's offer of food for their souls by demanding to pay for it themselves. Is wicked in his sight. Like my refusing to take pleasure in the Lord unless I had a week of righteous living to bring to the table to purchase his goodness with. No! As we shall now see, God has purchased it all and wants to give to those who know they are needy and who delight in the fact that God is generous. So, what happens when we listen diligently? And respond to God's word. We have an answer in verses 10 and 11. Look at verse 10. God says, just as I send rain and it always provides growth on this earth. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. In this case, to the humble person who turns to God, whether you are trusting inordinately in governmental solutions to your problems or rebelling against him or have sought to justify yourself before him, when you turn to him and believe his word, his word supernaturally brings you, an etern- brings you into an eternal relationship with him through Jesus. That is the purpose of his call to repentance and trust. Let's look again at verse 3. Those who listen diligently, those who incline their ear and respond to God's word, he brings them into an everlasting covenant with David. Well, David was the king some 250 years earlier, but God made a covenant or a promise with him that he would establish his throne forever, that one of his descendants would reign eternally and that God's steadfast, sure love would always be On this person, we know this now to be Jesus. He, being from the line of David, is the eternal King who was promised a thousand years before his birth. Here in verse three, God is saying that those who respond to His word and repent or turn away from worldly worldly systems, rebellion against Him, or self reliance, will enter into that promise of being in his sure, steadfast love forever. Do you feel the weight of this? How you can enter into his sure and steadfast love? Well, you might say, that's great, but how can this be? That sounds a little capricious, right? What about the wrong things that people do? Is God not just? Would he just let a murderer, for example, Turn and be forgiven, and that's it? That's not just. Well, a wonderful thing about Isaiah 55 is that it comes right on the heels of some of the most famous passages about Jesus. Isaiah 53, 4. Let's read that. Surely he, this one that we now know to be Jesus, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. God striking him, afflicting him. Verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. God would punish this one and crush him for the wickedness of those who turn to him. The one Isaiah is prophes- prophesying about is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, an historical man who truly lived on earth. He was both fully man and fully God. Our infinitely detestable rebellion against this infinitely high and holy God had to have a sacrifice of infinite worth. This was the God-man, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 3 says that after taking our punishment on the cross, after he died, after he defeated death and rose from the grave, and after he was raised back to life, he ascended into heaven, and that's where he sits at the right hand of God. Now back to Isaiah 55, 3. There is an eternal steadfast love between God the Father and Jesus. This is what those who turn to God are brought into. And this is how we enter into that sure steadfast love by turning to him and seeking forgiveness through Jesus' sacrifice. But it continues past that initial entering. We are to come drink water, wine, and milk the richest of foods, the richest of fare. How do we do that? Well, it's given to those who come to purchase on God's account. So come to God empty-handed and purchase food for your soul. If you're a Christian, come to him on Sundays expecting to be satisfied. Come to him daily with boldness based on what Jesus has accomplished. Listen to his word. Know it. Respond to it. Isaiah 55, 4. This is the message that we bring to the nations. And Isaiah expected it would, Isaiah himself expected that it would go to all the nations. Look at verse 4. God has made this David figure from verse 3, Jesus Christ, the leader and commander of all peoples. Isaiah 55, 5. God says to this David figure, to Jesus, Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Nations and peoples are running to him because God is glorifying Jesus. He is calling all people unto himself. This is where history is headed. Revelation 7, 9, and 10, John's vision of the future. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count. From every tribe, nation, tongue, and people, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, there were palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out in a loud voice, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God willing, in just a few weeks, we will be returning to Africa, And this is the message that we will be bringing them. We will tell them, don't spend your money on that which doesn't satisfy. God is different than us. His ways are not our ways. In every relationship that you have ever known, I know that you must work to obtain favor. But God is wholly unlike us. He offers love that you can enter into now and experience now. Now. It is the everlasting, sure love that has existed between God the Father and God the Son. Turn from your present path and come to the waters of God's love. Tomorrow morning, you will have a choice to make. Will you go to God's word and seek comfort? Will you find his promises and believe on them? Or Will you go back to broken cisterns of comfort that just barely give you enough to keep on going? I plead with you, as you thirst, come to the waters of God's living word. Spend time with him. He will satisfy. Let's pray. Lord, each one of us listening to your word today are people who thirst. We are hungry and thirsty for the food that would refresh our souls. You give us that food in your word. And as we consider your call to turn from our self-reliance, your call to turn from our trust in worldly powers, your call to turn from outright disobedience, as we consider that call, please create in us what your word intends. That is soft hearts that can see your invitation to come and dine and who want it. Spring within us a desire to eat at your table, glorying in your steadfast, sure, generous love. Love purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It is in his name and by the power, and by his power that we ask these things. Amen.
0: Let us stand and respond. Hear our Savior's call to eat and live. Come and die the savior calls Come and die the savior calls Eat and Jesus' table, we will say at Jesus' table.
1: If you find yourself thirsting for the righteousness of Christ, I want to encourage you after our worship service, we're going to have a pastor in the courtyard and you can go uh, speak with him. Or if you're a guest and you just want to ask about the church and how to get plugged in, how to uh, get involved with Casey Casey, uh, he'll be in the courtyard after our worship service. Or you can e- email info at dscabq.com with your questions. And we're going to mix things up, and for our benediction today, I want to pray for the G's as they prepare to go back to North Africa. So join me as I pray. God, we thank you so much for saving Mr. G. We thank you for how you've spoken uh, through him, through your word. We pray for continued boldness for him and Mrs. G as they prepare to go and share your good news with people who at times can be hostile but like uh, people in Albuquerque they need the gospel and it takes boldness to share to transition conversations to gospel topics so Lord we uh, pray for boldness for them we pray for open hearts for their neighbors may they have open ears to receive your word with joy we pray for inroads into the gospel for them, Lord. We pray that you would use them to make new disciples and that that would be a part of building up the church plant they have there. May uh, this church plant grow, provide new elders for this church plant, and may they then plant new churches. We pray for the G's children. We pray that you would uh, bless them as they go back home. Uh, May they Uh, delight in your word. May they find their, their joy in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.